medical show on News Talk 760 WJR. We're going to be talking about the prevention of disease and the urgency of taking action before the onset of serious medical problems. Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention, is with us again to tell you what you need to know about how early screening and knowing your profile can lead to the avoidance of heart attack and stroke altogether. Pre-screening and simple non-invasive tests can actually prevent Alzheimer's and many other chronic diseases. If you have a question, we're opening up the lines and taking your calls. So please make a note of this number, 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. This is your chance to talk directly to the doctor. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. You're listening to News Talk 760 WJR. Welcome back, all of you listeners, to our live weekly medical radio show here tonight on News Talk 760 WJR. I'm Anne-Marie Cronin, and we're back again tonight to talk to you about prevention and why you have to start looking at healthcare from a different perspective. Dr. Brian Collender, MD, is joining us from Birmingham, Michigan, to give us some hard talk about dealing with our health and making sure we get the necessary testing. We're inviting you to call in if you have a question at 800-859-0957. Again, that number is 800-859-0957. Dr. Collender, certainly welcome back. And you already have callers, so do we want to start with a caller? Or yeah, what? sure. Okay, Ashley, who do you have? We have Greg calling from Shelby. Greg, what's your question? Hey, you guys. Good evening, Mr. Positive, Anne-Marie, Dr. Collender. When we talk about inflammation, is there one thing that we can do to offset it, or is there one thing, I mean, is there just one thing that I can take uh, food-wise or supplement-wise to offset the many degrees of inflammation in the body? Well, thanks, Greg, for calling. Um, you know, there is never one thing that any single person can do because there are probably 20 or so different drivers of inflammation that I look at, and you just don't know who has what. And unfortunately, if you say there's one thing to do, um, you're making assumption about everybody else that you can't make. Um, okay. The most important thing is to identify the disease that you have and then look for the different drivers of inflammation that each different person has and address those. So there's never one thing. You've got to look at the whole body, all the different conditions, and follow your progress because you may think you have it all. I might think we have it all and we don't. Uh, I may, you know, We may have not done something and our markers go the wrong way. It's not the end of the world. It just means we've got to look harder for other drivers to address. All the reason why you need to get connected with the right doctor that has access to all the right testing. Uh, we've got two more callers. Ashley, who do you have? Uh, we have David calling from Windsor. David, what's your question? Yes, my question is for, for the doctor, what about parasites? Do they have do they play a major role in the contribution of disease as well? Do they also play a lar any large role at all in the, in, in the contribution of disease such as COVID and others? Well, thanks, David. Um, I don't actually look at parasites as a major driver of problems. I'd say that's pretty far down the checklist for me um, just because you know, treating parasites doesn't directly have a 
an outcome on cardiovascular risk and dementia risk. However, for people that have, you know, gastrointestinal drivers of inflammation, then we may end up identifying parasites as a problem that's contributing to gut dysbiosis, which is a driver of disease. Um, so I, you know, I'm kind of contradicting myself in the same breath, but it's, it's a much lower grade risk to cardiovascular health and, uh, dementia prevention. All right. Well, thanks for calling Greg and David. And we have another caller. We have James calling from Ohio. James, what's your question? Uh, yes, I'm, uh, really frustrated. Uh, I'm a 78 years old and I've, um, gone for blood tests, um, twice a month, and it's uh, 130 over 80 or 128 over 80, whatever. And then in January, all of a sudden, it went up to 160 and 170. Um, and now it's continually up to 160, 170. I went to my family physician. He said, you're just getting older. That's the only reason why. And uh, there's no family history. My family history is traditionally my father and my mother I've always had low blood pressure. There's no change, Ben. It started in January. It went up to 160, 170. I check it uh, every day, twice, and it's still up to 160, 170. So I guess I'm frustrated because he said, the doctor, general practitioner said, you're just getting older. But how in the world could I suddenly jump from 130 over 80 in January when I'm testing at twice a month and it's been fine till January? Well, you know, you're right to be frustrated because, you know, what do you do with the answer you're getting older? And I used to feel a lot of the markers that I follow now were related to just getting older. But now I see all of my patients, regardless of how old they are, improve because they're being given the correct recommendations for them. I'd say the simple answer I have for you right now is make sure that you get screened for sleep apnea, which is very common. It's underdiagnosed, and it's the cause of elevated blood pressure for a lot of people. So you want to make sure that you are not missing this diagnosis, number one. Number two, and obviously you want to make sure you're optimizing your lifestyle, that you're being as active as you can be, building lean muscle, and you're eating healthy, clean foods. That means a lot of vegetables, plant-based foods, healthy source proteins, and avoiding processed foods. So we want to optimize our lifestyle and screen for sleep apnea, which will help your blood pressure. Um, and that's, you know, demand that from your doctor. You know, even if you're not having sleep symptoms necessarily, you're having elevated blood pressure. Yeah, you would think that would just be automatic, that his doctor would have suggested this test. It's a lot easier to write a script. Oh, that's for sure. Just keep you on medication and not right. solve the problem. Well, that's not what we're all about here. But right now, we're going to have to take a quick break. Again, you are listening to our weekly live medical radio show, where we keep you up to date on all medical solutions from dealing with COVID to avoiding catastrophic disease. We're here with Dr. Brian Collender, MD, talking about prevention. If you have a specific question and you'd like to talk to the doctor directly about what you need to do to prevent or reverse disease, please call us at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. 
You're listening to News Talk 760 WJR. If you're just now joining us, I'd like to let you know that we're welcoming you to our special weekly medical radio show on News Talk 760 WJR. We are back again with Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention in Birmingham, Michigan. After 20 years in practice and watching patients die prematurely and unnecessarily, he's here tonight to give us some hard advice on what we need to do to avoid heart attack and stroke altogether. We're inviting listeners to call in with your questions at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. And before we get back, Tom, Ashley, you have a caller? Yes, we have Mike calling from Gross Point. Mike, what's your question? Hi, Dr. Callender. Thank you for taking my call. Hi. So uh, I'm a 56-year-old man who's uh, pretty healthy. I exercise regularly. I eat pretty well. Um, but I have type 1 diabetes. I've had type 1 diabetes for almost 20 years. So, you know, I, I try to be pretty careful with what I eat and try to exercise and stay healthy. So uh, I had a stress test this morning, and the stress test came back abnormal. And I'm totally, totally freaking out over this. I don't know what my next steps will be or should be. Um, I thought I was pretty healthy. I thought I was doing everything I should be doing. And, uh, you know, this is kind of a big blow. Well, welcome to our soapbox. So um, <laughs> do you have symptoms of heart disease? Are you having any chest pain, shortness of breath, dizziness, lightheadedness, nausea, cold sweats, any problems doing your workout? No, no problems whatsoever with exercise or strain or stress. You know, so the first problem is having a stress test in the first place because a stress test is only there to identify critical stenosis. And if you have critical stenosis, meaning a blockage that is limiting flow by at least 80%, you know, 70 to 80, 70% or more, you should have symptoms, you know, because okay. now during exertion, you're having a supply demand problem with oxygen to the heart at rest versus ex exercise. And you should have some kind of symptom with exertion. Medical okay. management is better than surgery, or at least as good as surgery, even for people with stable angina, meaning they have symptoms in a predictive way when they exert themselves. So you're not having any symptoms at all. It's, right. you know, is it possible that they, you're someone who's got a, has disease and they just got lucky and you have something? The answer is, yeah, it's possible. But even if you have disease, Medical management is as good as revascularization, meaning a bypass or a stent. So you need more information about your arteries. Um, you need to, you know, I would go ahead and get a CT calcium score. You need a carotid okay. intima media thickness test, to which gives you data that can be followed. And you need artery inflammation markers. Again, these are baseline things that you can follow over time. Um, Keep in mind that there's a 15% false positive rate with stress tests. And, really? and this is why getting a stress test is no, like, oh, let's just go get a stress test because you may have a false positive. Now, keep in mind, being diabetic, you're at a higher risk for disease. Um, right. But that doesn't, still, medical management's the way to go, and, and you're not having symptoms. But you got to get on it right away because now you got an okay. alert. You know, well, really, yep. the whole world needs to get on it right away. 
because you just don't know where you are. Okay, um, Mike, thank you. Thanks we've, for we're, we're, we've got some other callers here, Mike. But well, one question that I had when I was listening to Mike uh, telling his story here is that his doctor sent him for a stress test. Why would his doctor not have sent him for the CT cardiac scoring test or the CIMT to identify what was going on in his arteries rather than sending him for a stress test? Nobody understands prevention. That's your knee-jerk reaction. And again, we don't know what's gonna, where things are going to be, but it doesn't have to end with getting a heart catheterization and a stent. You know, you've got to just, I mean, this is still an opportunity to disease, identify disease that the way we do it, which is look at it, see it, get data that measures it and then move forward. It doesn't mean you have to go and run, get a heart catheterization, which has a small risk of death. But you know what I think is pathetic here is this type of patient in the type of practice he's in, and we have caused, we don't know if he had these tests or if these tests were offered to him. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't. I mean, shame on the doctor. So. He, he would have, have said, said so. so. And you know what? Shame on his doctor. Shame on his doctor. And all I have to say about that is that the next step with these doctors is to give you a prescription to go and see a cardiologist. So now he gets into the system of seeing a cardiologist, and he still may not be sent for a CIMT. Well, they might do a CT calcium score, which is another blood flow test, but at least it'll look at plaque, and um, and they they can begin a prevention program based on that in, information. But to a cardiologist, that's where it ends. Well, we put you on a statin because you have plaque; it's over. But still, there's a lot of information to learn about this guy and as to what his other drivers of disease are so that you can address them. And again, this is, a, this is a process everyone should be going through, not just a diabetic type 1 or 2. Everybody, you just do not know where you are unless you look. I still think it's pathetic. Here is a 56-year-old man it is who, is, who is under the care of a doctor who obviously knows, is aware of the fact that has diagnosed him as, as type 1 diabetes that he's had for 20 years, and now he's you know, getting sent for a stress test, and then he has to sit home and bite his nails and worry about it. Why does he have to worry about it? Well, the risk here to me is that he's going to go get a an arteriogram probably, and there's a risk of, of complications from this procedure. Uh, you know, we talked about this a long time ago that another doctor in Ohio that does what I do, um, but he was offering... CIMTs without follow-up, which I've stopped doing. And so the patient got a CIMT, took the results to a vascular surgeon who did a stent and ended up having complications of his carotid artery stent. He didn't need this procedure. He just needed a medical management plan. And because the, the, the doctor didn't know what to, what to do with the data that was collected. And, you know, I mean, it's just kind of overwhelming to listen to these stories about these patients that are left out there to swim in an empty sea of no help. And, you know, it's it's unbelievably pathetic. They just need to, unfortunately, be their own advocate and find a doctor that, that is going to take care of them and follow them through the process and not leave them out there, you know, to bite their nails down to the quick. But Ashley's got another caller. Yes, we have Andal calling from Livonia. Andal, what's your question? We don't hear you, sir. Can you speak up where, where he's 
too far away from the phone. Are you with us, Andal? Okay. He dropped. So, All right, let's come back to this pathetic situation with this patient. You know, there's really no role anymore for screening stress tests. There just isn't. Um, it's a, you've got the, the only disease you should be, you've got to identify the disease that you have, and that requires a CT calcium score. And the listeners need to know that a zero under CT calcium score doesn't mean you're free and clear because people with the highest risk plaque have soft plaque that doesn't have calcium in it. And that's why you need both, is a CIMT and the CT calcium score. In my practice, I do the CIMT first. And then if your CIMT is normal, we get the CT calcium score. Because if I've identified plaque on the CIMT, I don't need a calcium score. I know you have plaque. So I I do it the opposite way. I think it's just amazing about how many doctors are out there that don't um, encourage patients to get the CIMT. And I met a doctor the other day who didn't even know what it was. No one knows what it is. I, oh, that's if kind you're of pathetic, not a listener, you they think? just don't know. And they might, oh, I know about that test, and they don't know what to do with the results. And, again, that's why no one's allowed in my practice just, no one's allowed just to get a CIMT. But at least it's a diagnostic test that they ought to be getting. Right now, we've got to take a quick break. Again, you're listening to a special live medical broadcast on the prevention and medical management of disease. If you have a specific question and you'd like to talk to the doctor directly about what you need to do to avoid heart attack and stroke, or you have a question on any of the subjects we're discussing tonight, please give us a call at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. You're listening to News Talk 760 WJR. Welcome back to our special live medical broadcast on News Talk 760 WJR. We are fortunate to have Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention here tonight to give us some straight talk about two important topics, prevention and being proactive. Please tune in to our weekly shows Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. and live Thursday at 7 following Mitch Album. We're inviting you to call in with your questions and talk to the doctor directly at 800-859-0957. And Ashley, you have a caller? Yes, we have Dean calling from Toledo. Dean, what's your question? Uh, yes, Doc. My question is this. I'm 52 years old, uh, lifted weights my entire life, 250. It's, it's muscle, but still overweight. Uh, do a lot of cardio, three, four, five days a week, in good shape. Had a stress test, it was fine. Had the CT calcium score, which was voluntary. I scored perfect. Triglycerides have been as low as 150 and as high as 350, depending on how much salmon I eat that year. And I had that checked annually. But I went into the hospital for uh, a monoclonal antibody infusion a year ago, and they detected AFib and put a monitor on. I was in AFib 15% of the time. I believe the, the study was over three or four or five days. And uh, they told me because of the, the test, some of the tests I had done, coupled with the shape I was in, that I had the same chance of having a stroke as I did bleeding to death if I was on Eliquis. I elected to take the Eliquis about it for a year. I've got my one-year follow-up coming up. 
and keep in mind or note that the AFib, I don't know if it's mild or not, but it generally when I go into it, it goes up to maybe 106, 108. So it doesn't go real high. But I don't know what to do next. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for calling. And, and a few things to talk about by what you told us. Number one is, well, let's get to the juice of it is, you know, the number one cause of AFib is sleep, undiagnosed sleep apnea. It keeps coming up. Right. So you've got to get a sleep study. No matter what you think about your sleep habits or the quality of your sleep, you've got to get a sleep study because if you have sleep apnea, start treating it. Either your AFib will go away or it'll become manageable where you don't need a procedure to manage it. It doesn't mean you're coming off the eloquist, but it'll allow your AFib to be better controlled at the minimum. Um, that's number one. Number two, weight. You know, so body weight, in my opinion, is no longer a data point that reflects risk. Uh, we've talked about this many times. I've patients who completely heal their arteries. They don't lose one ounce, but they completely change their body composition. So percent body fat is a better gauge of risk than weight. And, you know, so we want to have a pretty strict criteria for reducing our percent body fat or even move in that direction. Um, you know, even if you don't have an ideal body fat, you want to just keep getting better every year, um, maintain or increase your skeletal muscle mass and lose body fat. That's moving away from disease. So, um, and also, we just were talking about this on Facebook. Having a zero calcium score does not mean that you're out of risk. You know, when you tell me your triglycerides are elevated, that is a red flag for insulin resistance, which is another driver of chronic disease, not necessarily a fib. So you need to learn more about your potential and a probability of having insulin resistance, eat appropriately. Um, it sounds like you're exercising enough. Um, and, and, and get a CIMT, carotid intimate thickness test, uh, just to kind of finish off your due diligence for disease identification. It's kind of a shame um, that these patients are left sort of half here and half there. There's still holes in the system of their overall picture. It's like somebody's not connecting the dots. It's like the doctor is not connecting the dots, and the patient's still left feeling somehow fragmented and somehow lost, like, you know, there, there, there's something that's not quite, that, that's not fitting together. I don't really have not only a proper diagnosis, but a proper treatment plan. Well, he did go to a clinic for monoclonal antibody therapy and was diagnosed with AFib. So somebody was paying attention that day. You know, that's not where you go to find a heart rhythm problem. I know, but he could have been sent because it was a COVID treatment and somebody told him it was a place to go for COVID. You right, were sending people for COVID to oh, Right, but I, I'm just saying I'm not expecting whoever's administering that IV therapy to make an AFib diagnosis. So he's very lucky that that was made where it was. Kudos to whoever that person was mm -hmm. because it could have saved that person from having a stroke. Right. And in not learning about any of these things. So, again, 52-year-old guy works out, thinks he eats healthy, normal stress test, and he has what's called proxismal atrial fibrillation, which is AFib that goes in and out. has no idea. Mm -hmm. He could have a, had a massive stroke at any time because of that.
How was that missed? Well, you got to go to the doctor to get diagnosed. Oh, he's obviously in a doctor's care because somebody's writing the prescriptions for all these tests. Right. Um, you know, he may or may not have had symptoms of the AFib. It's when you're only in AFib 15% of the time, it's hard to catch. You got to have symptoms that warrant a monitor to find it. So he just happened to be sitting in a clinician's chair when he had the AFib. It just, sometimes you just got to be lucky. And he was lucky. So what you're saying is there was no failure or no lack of connecting the dots in his treatment? Because I think there's a big lack of connecting the dots here. If every time he goes to the doctor, he's in normal sinus rhythm, how's the doctor supposed to know he's in AFib? If he's having symptoms of AFib where intermittently as in a regular heartbeat, he doesn't tell the doctor, you know, no one's a mind reader. You got to say, hey, I have intermittent palpitations now and then. Well, let's get a thyroid test. Let's check your electrolytes. Let's get an EKG. They're all normal. Let's get a, let's wear a heart monitor. Mm-hmm. But he's got to tell somebody that he's experiencing an irregular heartbeat. And if he doesn't, nobody knows. So we didn't get that out of him. No, and also I'd like to know who who was the one that prescribed the monoclonal antibody treatment. I mean, that could have been not necessarily the doctor that he was going to see. He might just have found out about that in his own. Maybe. And it could have been, as I said. Um, well, very lucky that he was sitting in a, in a clinician's chair where someone was astute enough to pick it up and, and not in a medical uh, scenario where you would expect it. So here's somebody out there in Toledo who's obviously gotten a lot of medical diagnostic tests and still something serious was missing. Yeah, well, that one's that one's different. It really is. You got the the patient has to communicate symptoms of the condition. Now, if he was in AFib all the time, um, not everybody can tell they're in AFib. I'm not sure that one's a, a miss. Now, what's a miss is he wasn't told to get a sleep study. You that's know, a, that's a big miss. I guess a big, that's a big miss. And there are genetic tests that we look at to identify risk of AFib. So there's a genetic marker called 4Q25, which identifies risk of aortic valvular disease and atrial fibrillation. And it'd be nice to know if you pass this down to family members um, who need to be paying more attention to their risk of AFib, which means eat healthier, exercise, and get a sleep study. You know, we've talked about this on other shows as well. I mean, I kind of almost feel that anybody who's at risk for heart disease ought to be getting a sleep study. And you're telling me that they can't get a sleep study unless they get a prescription for it. And there has to be a reason for them to get a prescription or it's not covered by insurance. So it's tricky. Well, I would say anybody who's over 30 or or 40 should be getting a sleep study, whether or not they have heart disease or any symptoms at all. This is something I screen for now. So you're recommending any anybody and everybody, regardless. Everyone in our practice now gets a sleep study. All right. Well, let's come back and talk about this some more on the other side of the break. You are listening to a special live broadcast tonight where the topic is your health and how to prevent disease. When we come back, if you have a specific question on the subject we're discussing tonight and you would like to talk to the doctor directly, please call us at 800-859-0957. Again, that number is 800 
You're listening to News Talk 760 WJR. Welcome back to the final segment of our special weekly live broadcast here on News Talk 760 WJR on the importance of being proactive and informed of the resources available to prevent and treat the chronic and debilitating diseases. You're listening to the expert advice of Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician, and one of the very few specialists in prevention in this country. If you have a question for the doctor, now is your chance to call us at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. Ashley, do you have a caller? Yes, we have Alex calling from Ohio. Alex, what's your question? Yes, uh, I recently heard a cardiothoracic surgeon claim that it's the triglycerides that really cause plaque buildup in the arteries. And his, his identification was that the cholesterol is not soluble in the blood and the triglycerides coat the cholesterol and let it uh, flow through the blood freely where it deposits. And secondly, my other question is, um, do you use statins as a, a treatment and what really causes the buildup of plaque in the arteries? And uh, another Something I noticed in a magazine was that they claim that sugar spikes irritate the uh, intima of the arterial wall, uh, leading to the cholesterol sticking to the wall at that point and causing cholesterol buildup. And uh, what do you recommend? Well, uh, I'm going to slow you. Thanks, Alex. Yeah, Alex you, you can stay on. You, got, you can stay on if you want. But I'm if you're on Facebook watching the show, my head is shaking and my mouth is open. Um, you know that, so the thoracic surgeon is right, but for the wrong reasons, I mean, to say that the triglycerides are non-soluble and they're coating the inside of the artery is sad and scary. Um, triglycerides are responsible for vascular disease, but not for that reason. It's because high triglycerides are a inflammatory lipid particle and they're also a sign of insulin resistance which is the condition that leads to you becoming diabetes it's an independent driver of inflammation that drives artery disease so inflammation is what causes artery disease and all of this stuff happens inside the layer of the artery walls not inside the lumen of the artery walls, but inside the layers of the wall. I mean, so for a surgeon to be saying that lipids are coating the outside of the artery wall is kind of a joke at this, you know, in this day and age. Um, but he's right for the absolute wrong reasons. Um, second question, I use statins because statins lower artery inflammation. I don't care what your cholesterol is anymore. If you have plaque and you have artery inflammation with plaque, you need a statin to lower the inflammation. It has nothing to do with your cholesterol numbers. In fact, I don't even check cholesterol anymore. I don't care what it is. Just like I don't care about your weight. I don't care about your cholesterol. Um, now, the third thing you said is the most important thing is that sugar, i.e., processed food, insulin resistance, damages the interior lining of your artery. 
opening up these layers of your artery wall to other bad lipids like high triglycerides, bacteria, metals, other inflammatory agents, um, you know, white cells, all that generates inflammation in the wall. And if it's so angry, the plaque ruptures. Plaque rupture occurs in subclinical plaque, meaning plaque that's not blocking. That's what leads to vascular events like a heart attack and stroke. It's an amazing amount of information that's flying out there that's half right and half wrong. And it's unfortunate that the patient has to sort it out themselves. Well, it's kind of, I mean, you know, what do you say? You know, when you just hear just something being said that's so wrong. Um, you know, and people still, whatever you're saying, you know, you still need information on how do I stop that? You know, how do I stop, um, you know, having high triglycerides? What do I do? And, you know, you've just got to uh, uh, learn what the, your problems are and, and get a lifestyle, you know, education to optimize your specific issues. And, you know, like Greg said in the beginning of the show, what's the one thing? There's never one thing. It's all the things tied together all impact each other. I just think this all comes back to population medicine. If the doctor is only going to give you five minutes of his time, how much are you really going to get out of that five minutes? And then we've talked about the compartmentalization of medicine when they send you out get to see a cardiologist and to see an endocrinologist and to see somebody else, a rheumatologist or whatever. And then you're seeing three or four doctors, they're writing prescriptions and who's connecting the dots? No one's connecting the dots. There isn't really a gaffer here that's in charge. Not in five minutes. Not when well, there's all never of this going to, to be. No, you're you. absolutely right. Yeah. And so I think the message is that people need to wake up and realize that if that's the time you're getting from your doctor and you're left out there to graze in the field, not knowing where do you go next or to be stressed about the results of a test, that is the doctor's problem, not the patient's problem. And if your doctor isn't good enough, then fire him and find another doctor. I think that the, you know, we got to go to the take home message that we've, you know, the trend today was problems with stress tests. You yes. know, we had patients that think they're healthy, that have a normal stress test, and then they learn they have a vast, a heart problem. Patients that think they're healthy, they have a stress test and that's abnormal and they have no symptoms. Uh, we've been saying on this show for a long time, the stress test just doesn't mean anything if you're not having symptoms. Um, you still need to screen for plaque, which is the disease, that, the condition that causes heart attack, stroke, and dementia. And that's what you have to do. Getting a stress test and passing it does not mean you're not at risk of having a heart attack the next day or even in the parking lot on the way home because subclinical plaque, meaning plaque not causing a blood flow problem, which means plaque that's not going to cause you to have an abnormal stress test, is what kills people. Right. In highly inflamed subclinical plaque ruptures, your body wants to heal that injury inside the artery wall. The clot that forms to heal that injury is what causes the blockage that kills you, not plaque thickening that eventually you know, causes a stenosis. So if you just happen to have that stenosis, 
All right, you might get found by a random stress test, but that's not the way to go about it because medical management's always better. It's just amazing to realize that according to the CDC, we still have 700,000 people dying of heart attacks every year. We have the technology. We have the possibility to do the type of screening that you're doing to prevent heart disease. And all these patients out there that are calling in from all over America, from Korea, from wherever, they're all out there grazing, wondering about, you know, who's going to connect the dots and help me through this process. Well, no one's talking about the news. I mean, so, you know, the, the, the stable death rate of heart disease has been 650,000 for year after year. Now it's going up. That's not in the news. Sure. It's not at all. You're talking about garbage. Exactly. Well, you've got to find out for yourself. And unfortunately, find the right doctor. That's the message. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time, so I'd like to quickly thank Dr. Brian Collender, MD, specialist in prevention, for being here tonight and for being willing to share his expertise and knowledge with regards to not only the prevention of disease, but also on the importance of being proactive and engaging with a practice that provides access to the necessary testing. This show is brought to you by Collender Medical. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we hope you got some useful information tonight on how to be your own advocate and take charge of your health, whatever your medical journey. Please continue to tune in to our shows Sunday afternoon at 3, Thursday evening at 7 for the latest medical updates. And thanks for listening to News Talk 760 WJR. Good night and be well.